Welcome back to another edition of the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your co-host, Cody Felger, and joining me tonight, he's been on the show a lot recently, uh, the great Andrew Thomason. Andrew, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Cody. I'm excited. Uh, I'm ready to go. Yeah, and I'm excited, especially for this episode. Uh, and I, I kind of previewed it and, and uh, on Twitter and said, it's a little bit of a hot topic could potentially be a hot topic type of episode here Um, and more of a hot topic, not for Colts fans, but for, you know, fans of the Titans, the Texans or the Jaguars, you know, the AFC South opponents, because the title of this episode, and we're going to give our reasons. I know, Andrew, you're going to do the offense. I'm going to do the defense here, but the title of this episode is why we believe that the Colts have the best offensive line and best defensive line out of all the teams in the AFC South. And, uh, if, of course, uh, if you don't agree with our opinion, that's totally fine. Uh, this is just our take on why we believe uh, that the Colts do boast the best line on both sides of the ball uh, with some of the recent moves in free agency. Obviously, we're, we are recording this before the draft happens, about a month before the draft happens. So a lot can change um, in those you know, few, in, I guess, these few weeks leading up to the draft. Uh, but based off of what we've been told and based off of what we've seen now this past week in free agency with some of the AFC, some of the, you know, defensive linemen moving out of the AFC South primarily, uh, we're going to kind of give our take on why we think that this is the case. Uh, so, Andrew, I know you wanted to start with the offense here, sp- start specifically with the offensive line. The Colts offensive line was one of the better ones in football. It's been one of the best offensive lines in football now for two years. Uh, obviously weren't as good statistically as they were when Andrew Luck was a quarterback there in 2018, but the Colts had all their, all of their starters come back again. All, all of those guys, all five starters uh, basically play every game and uh, were one of the better units in the league. So why do you think out of these four AFC South teams, the Colts have the best offensive line out of all of them? I, I really think it starts with your guard center guard position. Um, and it's not to say that the tackles aren't important because, you know, uh, they are. But when you have a guy like a Quentin Nelson, a Ryan Kelly, and uh, Mark Glowinski blocking for you um, and protecting from that interior, it certainly makes things easier for the quarterback with the ability to, to step up into the pocket when needed. Um, you know, you talk about the running game. The Colts, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, last season were top 10 in rushing. Um, and it was primarily due to the guard center guard combination. Um, and then, you know, uh, turning, uh, turning the switch here, if you will, you look at the offensive tackles, Costanzo, even though he's up there, I think he's going to be 32 um, or maybe he already is. He's one of the better left tackles in football. And then Braden Smith, who we took a few years ago, the same draft, I believe that we took Darius Leonard uh, and Quentin Nelson. He uh, transformed nicely from a right guard uh, into a right tackle. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Colts, I, I don't think it's close, honestly, Cody. When you look at the, the Jaguars' offensive line, they have some nice pieces. Uh, Brandon Linder, the center, is somebody who I really, really like. Um, Jawan Taylor, the right tackle, I think could potentially be a nice piece. Um, Andrew Norwell, funny enough, he was a free agent a few years ago that I think the Colts were pretty high on. Um, and, you know, he's he's an okay guard. He's not – I don't think he's one of the one of the better left guards in football. I um, mean, you could probably see why Chris Ballard passed on him. A few few free agencies ago, and then you look at the Texans' offensive line. Not much really needs to be said, honestly. Uh, no disrespect to them, but their left tackle is about all that they have. Um, 
Max Sharping, who I think they took in last year's draft, is, is a nice left guard, but they, they need help um, on the right side particularly. And then you look at the Titans' offensive line, um, I, I could maybe say that the Titans' offensive line is is slightly better in run blocking than the Colts, and the only reason I would say that is because the Titans led the league in rushing, so you can make an argument for that. Um, and as far as pass blocking is concerned, um, I think that when you compare the two, the Colts and Titans, that is, I don't think the Titans come anywhere near uh, the same stratosphere, if you will, as the Colts do. Uh, and then, you know, Jack Conklin, Conklin excuse me, the right tackle, uh, just signed a three-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. And so that's that's a major, major loss uh, for the Titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the Jaguars also. I mean, they just <laughs> – I feel like they had never really had a very good offensive line. Uh, what do you think about the Jaguars' offensive line? It's solid. Um, you, you know, Cam Robinson, the left tackle, they drafted out of, out of Alabama um, a few years ago or a few drafts ago. Andrew Norwell, the left guard, I already mentioned. I like Brandon Leonard, the center. Um, and then the right guard's kind of been a revolving door for them. A.J. Khan or Can, I believe, was at the right guard this past season. And then they took Jawan Taylor in the second round. Uh, oddly enough, the Jawan Taylor was projected to be a first-round pick this past draft, and he sort of fell to the second round. And who knows, maybe they'll sort of come together, sort of like the Colts have done these last few years, and become one of the better offensive lines in football. Um, they're certainly not bad. Middle of the pack is, is probably where I would put them, though. Yeah, and when comparing it with the Colts offensive line, which we would consider top five in the league, it just doesn't match up. It just doesn't work. You know, It doesn't really compare, I guess. Uh, and yeah, and I think one thing that you mentioned, Andrew, which I think is huge for the Colts, is um, overall just continuity among the offensive line. I mean, you mentioned it. The Titans lost Jack Conklin uh, to free agency. Uh, and so the Titans don't, won't, will not, in the 2020 season, have all of their 2019 starters intact again. But the Colts will. I mean, they have all these guys signed through. They just brought back Costanzo on a two-year deal. Uh, you know, Quentin Nelson, obviously, they drafted a couple years ago, as, long, as well as Braden Smith. Uh, they extended uh, Mark Glowinski, and it looks like they'll pick up that fifth-year option on Ryan Kelly and probably try to extend him soon. So, really, the Colts are in a good place as far as their, as far as their offensive line is concerned. It's kind of interesting because they have – the veteran presence of Costanzo over there, who I think is only getting better with age, and I think he would agree with that, and feels like he can even improve even more, which is absolutely nuts to think about. Um, but I know he's said, and he's been quoted in saying, this is the best I've ever felt. Um, and he's, you know, that was last offseason. So over the age of 30, Costanzo is feeling the best football shape that he's ever felt. So that can give you certainly um, some hope that he could even get better as an overall player. I feel like these last couple of years, Costanzo has just been easily a top 10 left tackle in this league and he's continuing to improve. And I felt like this last season was his best. And Jim Ursay says that as well. Uh, so that is definitely something uh, that is a huge factor for that offensive line. And I think there's a good argument to be made there, Andrew, that this offensive line for the Colts, I feel like they were in some ways limited by Jacoby Brissett. And we can say that about the entire offense, you know, obviously the lack of health among the wide receivers factored into that. Uh, but when you go, from an elite quarterback to an, I would say an average to below average quarterback, it's going to impact your offensive line. And I think we saw some of the things that the Colts were able to kind of, I don't want to say cover up a sweep under the rug, but they, they were able to do a lot more things with Andrew Luck and Andrew Luck obviously is a lot more mobile than Jacoby Brissett and can get you out of some of those uh, pinches you find yourself in. And so uh, I would agree, Andrew, I, you know, I would think that, the Colts have, out of all of these AFC South teams, based off of continuity, based off of 
you know, what they have done with these five starters. Uh, I would say that the Colts right now is in terms of top, you know, all five starters have the best offensive line all around. I think the question that'll come up for me, Andrew, is that offensive line depth. And this is something that we've talked about on the podcast is, you know, the Colts lost two of their key backups last year, two of their key reserve guys in Joe Haig and then also in Josh Andrews last year. They both, you know, filled in for different spots. Andrews filled in for Ryan Kelly in that Pittsburgh game. And then, you know, he just really, Joe Haig just was kind of everywhere. Wherever you need him to play, he'll play. Um, and they re-signed Raven Clark. And there's really no depth beyond Raven Clark at this point. Uh, so that would be my only hesitation if there's some people saying, well, what about the depth? What do you think about the Colts depth and what do you think they need to do? You know, if, if the depth is the thing that's holding them back, what do they need to do in order to solidify that and have, you know, securely keep their spot here at the number one offensive line in the ASD South? I think you have to address it immediately. Um, you know, Chris Ballard, He's always talking about being obsessed with the both the offensive and defensive line, and that includes depth. And when you lose two key guys like a Josh Andrews and a Joe Haig, who was sort of the, you know, as you mentioned, Cody, the Swiss Army knife, if you will, of the offensive line for the last several years. Um, those are two key losses, and I think Chris Ballard would be smart, it would be wise for the Colts to look at maybe drafting a couple um, offensive linemen, maybe in the later rounds, third, fourth round, guys that you can maybe develop over time. But it's, it's certainly something that they need to address sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now, now I want to kind of shift it over to the defensive line. I feel like this one might be a little more controversial as far as the defensive line because in the past, I mean, really, ever since I don't know how long, it's been a long time. I would have never said I could have not really had anything to stand on to say the Colts have the best defensive line in their division. Like there was nothing, you know, in the Ryan Grigson era and even up to up to this point in the Chris Ballard era that would have me saying the Colts have a better defensive line than the Titans than the Texans and the Jaguars. In fact, last year, I probably would have said maybe the Colts have the worst defensive line in terms of, you know, players that the other teams have compared to the Colts. Uh, but, you know, I want to make the argument here for why I believe the Colts do have the best defensive line as it stands right now in free agency. Uh, and I'll start first here um, by just kind of listing out the Colts starters, projected starters, I should say. Obviously, the draft has to happen. and it Maybe could shift some of this, but I don't really see it happening. Um, you start those defensive tackle positions. You got DeForest Buckner, obviously, the guy the Colts traded the number 13th pick for. I mean, this guy, what can you say about him? He's been super productive the last few years with the 49ers. Uh, he was a captain on that defense last year. I remember he, him getting a sack in that Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and company. Uh, he's just the type of player that you're looking to get. He's the type of player that is worth that 13th overall pick. And I know that we made a video, Derek made a video, I should say more so, about why he believes that uh, DeForest Buckner was well worth at number 13th pick and, and amongst other things uh, in that video, man, that, that video is kind of going crazy right now in terms of views and in terms of uh, just likes and all that stuff. So definitely check that one out. Um, it's, it's basically titled why the Colts went from a B list team to an A list team. So if you haven't watched that video, I would highly encourage you to check that one out. Derek does a fantastic job there. Uh, but you know, DeForest Buckner, uh, you know, he's just a guy that uh, is, you know, if you use kind of the the fr NFL phrasing a little bit or football phrasing, he's kind of a dog on that defensive line. 
mean, he's the guy that's going to be a game wrecker type of player. Now, I don't want to say he's Aaron Donald because he's not Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is in a whole other league of his own. But saying that, the force Buckner now in the last two years, really the last three years, he's, you know, he's played all 16 games. So he's very durable, which is one thing. Uh, he's super productive. I mean, 2018, he didn't have Nick Bosa or D Ford. Um, so it allowed him to get more, I guess, stats. And he had 12 sacks as uh, you know, interior defensive lineman. Uh, and then this last season, even with those guys, he still had seven and a half sacks. Uh, he was second team all pro. I believe he was a pro bowl alternate this last year. Um, but he's shown, man, when he doesn't have a ton around him, he can be super productive and he can pick up the slack there. Uh, he's young. You know, you mentioned he's he just turned 26, I believe. Uh, so he's a guy that you lock you that the Colts believe, you know, want to build their defense around. He's a defensive centerpiece. And the Colts obviously made him one of the highest defenders in the league at that position uh, for a reason, because they believe that he can do that. Uh, Danico Autry, who's a guy that Andrew, you and I were super high on Danico Autry. If you remember back this last offseason, I mean, he was a guy that came in. He was a low, you know, he didn't really think about it when he got in. We were like, who is the Nico Autry? But then he came in, I remember, in 2018. You know, he was injured a little bit, didn't play all 16 games. But he had nine and a half sacks. He was super productive when he was in there. He was pushing the pocket. He was getting sacks, getting quarterback hits. He was doing all this stuff. And we're like, oh, man, the sky's the limit for Danico Autry, right? He's a guy that is going to ascend. Maybe he becomes a pro bowler. Maybe he even scratches all pro. Like, he was that productive in 2018. And then in 2019, it seems like a lot of things just came crashing down. <laughs> and one of those things was the interior defensive line, uh, Marcus Hunt, who obviously got released, and then Danico Autry, who went from nine and a half sacks to three and a half sacks, and he played in more games. And so something happened there, but maybe it was something where, uh, you know, it was just kind of a fluke season. Maybe if, you know, with these other players that the Colts have now, can give Autry more one-on-ones and he can get more sacks, get more production. Um, you know, but he's proven that he can get after the quarterback last year was just a weird year in terms of that for Autry. Obviously, what can you say? Justin Houston, um, undoubtedly was the best Colts defensive lineman last year, bar none, uh, great run defender and also had 11 sacks. So that was a, a definitely refreshing thing to see from Houston. Uh, some other guy, another guy who showed tremendous flashes and potential was Kamoko Ture. I remember, Andrew, I think we were in a group chat. I think it was after uh, or maybe it was during that first regular season game against the Chargers. Uh, I don't remember if it was you or Derek, but you basically said, Cody, you were right on on Kamoko Ture. This guy is a stud. This guy, you know, he was just absolutely a game wrecker in those games that he played. Um, And he, you know, he played a key factor in that that upset win uh, at Kansas City. Unfortunately, that was a game that he went down with that ankle injury. Uh, That was a gruesome injury. Um, but, you know, hopefully he comes back. He's a young player now, was drafted in 2018 with that historic draft. Um, and he's been working with Robert Mathis and stuff like that. So he's probably your best, I would say, from a defensive end standpoint. He's definitely your best pure pass rusher. Um, and then there's some other guys, man, that, that you know, we don't really know a whole lot about. I guess, uh, you know, some, some guys, I guess you could, I could start with a guy we know a little bit more about, be that being Grover Stewart. He's a guy, man, that, uh, you know, he came – he really, like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how I felt about Grover Stewart going into 2019. He hadn't really seen the field a lot. Uh, but, you know, Marcus Hunt got benched, and I felt like Grover Stewart filled in pretty well. He's not going to get after the quarterback. I mean, he only had four sacks. 
He's more of your big body run stuffer. But he's a guy, man, that I really like. He's a young guy, was only drafted in 2017 a few years ago. He's a young guy that built around it as well. And then you got some more unknown guys here um, with Ben Banigou, who's a guy that I was really high on last year. He so showed some flashes and potential, but didn't really put it all together. But I'm excited to see how he progresses as a pass rusher and a defensive end. And then also one guy that's kind of been a disappointment up to this year, up to this time uh, drafted in 2018 in the second round as well as Tyquan Lewis. He's a guy, man, that uh, it's, it's been a weird couple of years for Tyquan Lewis. Obviously in his rookie year, he was injured pretty much the entire season um, came back for that Dallas game. I, I think, and had two sacks and we're like, Holy smokes, this guy's good. Uh, and then really didn't do a ton that, you know, to finish off the season, he, he played, he had some decent games there. Then 2019, for whatever reason, the Col- he was some, a healthy scratch a lot of times. And the Colts even said, we need to see more in practice from Taekwon. And Chris Ballard even talked about, man, he said, Taekwon and I had a, had a long talk after the season. And, and I told him, man, this is a big year for you. He said he had a conversation with Taekwon Lewis just about that stuff. And also with Quincy Wilson, another guy who – former second-round pick who hasn't lived up to his potential yet. Uh, but there's some potential there. Like the Colts have invested some picks – into these guys, right? And and I think just the bringing into Force Buckner, uh, I believe he was sixth overall when he was drafted by the 49ers a few years ago. Uh, so the Colts have a lot of guys here that they've invested decent round picks into. So there's guys with talent on this defensive line. And even if some of these guys, Taekwon Lewis, Ben Banigou, Kamoko Torrey, don't really do a ton here, in 2020, uh, you know, I still believe that the Colts have the best defensive line amongst the AFC South, um, especially if you were to bring in a guy like Jadavian Clowney, Everson Griffin, one of those guys. That just adds to this group and just gives you even a better offensive line and better depth among the offensive, along the defensive line, I should say. Um, and then it brings up the question, what do you do with Jabal Sheard? Do you bring Jabal Sheard back? If the Colts bring back Jabal Sheard, he's a he's a solid player. He's not spectacular, but he can really help you on the rundowns. But here, Andrew, is my kind of defense for why I believe the Colts have the best defensive line of the AFC South. And I think it's it's yes, they upgraded with DeForest Buckner for sure. Undoubtedly, he makes their defensive line a lot better and their defense as a whole a lot better. Uh, but I look at some of the moves in the AFC South, and I'll start here with Tennessee. Tennessee traded away Jarrell Casey for basically nothing, a late round pick for Jarrell Casey. He's been a player that's been with the Titans and been f- a fantastic player with the Titans for a long time. The Titans basically, you know, cut ties with him, traded him away to the Broncos. Um, I know they drafted Jeffrey Simmons last year, so they believe in Simmons. Um, but, you know, I just look at it right now and I just kind of look at this Titans defensive line and I don't really see a DeForest Buckner type player. Um, you know, if I had to, if I had to say a player that would even come close, it would have been Casey, but now he's out of the AFC South and out of the Titan, out of the Titans organization. So I just don't see a lot of right now as it stands, you know, pro bowl, all pro level on that Titans defensive line, really anywhere right now. You could argue Jeffrey Simmons, but he hasn't really proven anything yet. Um, so that's kind of my defense for the Titans there. And then moving on to the Jaguars, it's a little more interesting to me because you got you, this, you got this guy, Yannick Ngakwe, who has literally posted on Twitter, I do not want to be back in Jacksonville. But the Jaguars obviously franchise tagged him, uh, and he's a guy that I would presume will probably not be on the Jaguars in 2020, but you never know. 
Uh, maybe he plays and is just disgruntled in 2020. But uh, I'm under the assumption that he's going to be traded away for something at some point, and he won't be on the Jaguars. So, you know, if Ngakwe is gone, then you have Josh Allen, who admittedly had a really good rookie season, 10 and a half sacks, uh, was fantastic as a rookie. Um, and then you got Taven Bryan, who had the Jaguars drafted a few years ago, defensive tackle. Uh, but, you know, at this point, I look at Taven Bryan, and I think he hasn't been a 16-game starter in his two years in the league. Maybe this is the year that he starts doing that. Um, obviously, Marcel Darius, they, they let go as well. Um, they lost a lot on that defensive line um, the last couple of years. And there's a lot of just question marks and unproven. There's no guy that you can clearly look at unless you want to think about Ngakwe. But there's really no guy beyond that that you look and say, this guy's going to win us football games. And I think that's the big reason why I would say, I think the Colts right now have more proven guys, um, have less question marks among the defensive line. So that's why I would say there for Jacksonville. And then I'll move to Houston. It's crazy to me, Andrew, because a couple years ago, Houston, I would argue, had one of the best defensive lines in the league. <laughs> but it's just kind of crazy how it's happened. Jadavian Clowney got traded to the Seahawks this last year. And then DJ Reader, uh, he left in free agency, a very good defensive tackle from Houston, still young guy. Uh, and really beyond that, like they have J.J. Watt, but J.J. Watt has not played in 16 games. He's played in 16 games one out of the last four seasons. And he's, he's going to be 32 in May. He's the guy, man, that, you know, he, he's been a fantastic player, game wrecker. As a Colts fan, I've seen him wreck so many games. But I look at it and say Jadavian Clowney is well past his prime now. He's had an injury history. You know, odds are, based off the last four years, he probably won't play all 16 games this year. And really, who else do you have? I mean, they drafted, they drafted Charles Amenehu last year in the fifth round. Unproven guy, had, didn't really do a whole lot. There's not really a lot there that you see in Houston right now. And so I, I just think, man, this may be a little bit of a hot take, but I honestly think that as it stands right now, the Colts don't just have a better defensive line than any of the AFC South opponents. I would say they are leaps and bounds better on the defensive line than any of their AFC South opponents. As it stands right now, a month before the draft, I would say that. What are your thoughts, Andrew, here on the defensive line and, and kind of the things that I have walked through here with you know the Colts defensive line compared to the other AFC South teams defensive lines? I mean, you really hit on pretty much everything, uh, Cody. Um, you know, as you said, the Texans, oh, goodness gracious, we don't really know what they're doing on either side of the ball, honestly. Um, no. But on the defensive line. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think they know either. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. Uh, but on the defensive line specifically, they're, other than J.J. Watt, who you said hasn't really been healthy the last four or five seasons, um, they're they're a big bit of a question mark. The Jaguars uh, trading, as you had mentioned, Clays Campbell all the way to the Ravens, and then Blackway wanting out, not oh, yeah, even wanting to sign that. a long term extension with Jacksonville. Um, you know, they're they're sort of cleaning house, um, I guess, defensively trading away their top two corners as well. Just to throw in another side note there, so um, that's kind of an interesting storyline to to keep in mind as, as a Colts fan. And then you look at the Tennessee Titans trading away a, a 31 year old defensive end, I believe don't quote me there. Uh, and Jarrell Casey uh, to the Denver Broncos, oddly enough for a seventh round pick. I think that's kind of foolish. And then you have other guys like Daquan Jones, um, who's sort of kind of hit or miss. And then 
you know, as you said, you could argue maybe Jeffrey Simmons, but you know, he he's second year player hasn't really proven much of anything. And, and I mean, I, I just completely agree, Cody. When you look at the amount of investment Chris Ballard has put into the Colts defensive line over the last three years, whether it be draft picks in Taekwon Lewis or uh, Kamoka Ture uh, or DeForest Buckner, um, or, or acquiring players via free agency, I, uh, I, I, excuse me, Jabal Sheard. You know, I mean, he's just done an, an excellent, an excellent job. And I, I can, you know, I couldn't agree more. I think the Colts are leaps and bounds in front of their AFC South uh, rivals defensively. Yeah, it's crazy because, like I mentioned, I would have never said that in the last couple of years. Like, I would say, if you had to make me choose an Achilles heel of the Colts from when Andrew Luck was drafted in 2012 up through this year, it was defensive line, unquestionably the defensive line. And unquestionably, the offensive line. It was absolutely nuts, man, to even think about how the Colts thought, how Ryan Grixon in particular thought that they were a Super Bowl team when they had one of the worst offensive lines and one of the worst defensive lines. But now it's crazy because Chris Ballard, this is something I love about Chris Ballard. I love this about Chris Ballard. Yeah, he he's a human. He makes mistakes. We've seen that multiple times. 2017, I would argue he made a mistake uh, with how he – didn't really address the quarterback position with the uncertainty around Andrew Luck. Maybe you could count that against him. Um, I would argue the Adam Vinatieri situation this last year. I was not a fan of that. Uh, maybe you could even argue one that's a little bit closer here, uh, how they, what they've done with Jacoby Brissett. You could argue, why did you not trade him away and get the money you know, that you could get from trading away Jacoby Brissett? Why would you pay him $7 million extra dollars to be your backup quarterback? But for all of his faults, and Ballard said this when he, I remember I've watched his intro press conference so many times, and Chris Ballard has said this time and time and time again. He said, I'm going to mess up, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to own it. And I absolutely love that because Chris Ballard has owned it. He came in after the 2019 season, and I could tell he was hot. He was upset with himself. You know, he's such a cool and collected guy most of the time, but deep down in there, he is one of the most competitive human beings I think that I've seen. And I can tell, you know, he's the guy that he knew that that defensive line was not up to par last year. He absolutely knew it specifically the interior three technique. He knew that wasn't going to fly in 2020. What did he do? He traded for all, you know, all pro pro bowl type player. And he, and he also knew the quarterback position. He loved the Kobe reset, but he knew we have to upgrade here. We have to do something here. And, and obviously you can't, you can't address the defensive tackle position and also draft the guy at 13. You got to do one or the other. And Ballard chose trade away that 13th pick, acquire a player you believe can be one of the most dominant players in the league, and then sign Phillip Rivers, a guy that has familiarity with Frank Reich, has familiarity with Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator, and you know, sign him to a one-year deal. Yeah, some people may be like, it's a little bit pricey, but it's a one-year deal. So if Rivers doesn't pan out, can move on. No problem. You can draft the guy next year or maybe sign another guy in free agency. Uh, but Ballard, he knows the weaknesses of his team and he addresses them. It's so cool. I love that about Chris Ballard. He's not a guy that's going to stand pat. And, you know, basically we saw this with Ryan Grixon. And even when he traded for Trent Richardson, he made Chuck Pagano play Trent Richardson, even though there were better players on the roster. And the thing I love about Ballard, he's not afraid to make a mistake. He has cut... <laughs> Let's just look at – he's cut a fourth-round pick. He's cut a third-round pick. I mean, he cut Peter Desir, a guy who just re-signed. 
He's the guy that's willing to say, I'll make mistakes and I'll own them, but I'll make mistakes and I'll learn from them so that I don't make that mistake again and I make my team even better. I love that about Chris Ballard. I've always loved that ever since he was drafted. One of the most genuine guys in the league at the GM position, undoubtedly. Uh, a guy that I'm certainly, as a Colts fan, <laughs> ecstatic to have in the building, ecstatic to have running the program, ecstatic to have making the personnel decisions. After so many years of misery, of watching the Colts go crazy in free agency, trade away valuable assets for players that are unproven. I just love it, man. I'm just a huge fan of it. Um, Andrew, is there anything else, man, you want to you wanna touch on here with the offensive or defensive line before we wrap this podcast up? Uh, you know, there was something that I that I sort of missed when I was talking about the offensive line. Um, sure. You know, when, when you look at the argument that we're making with the Colts having the best offensive line in football, I think there's one there's a key component that, that I missed. And that's the, the national attention that they're getting, because you weren't getting that in the Gregson era, because, um, you know, as you touched on, Cody, that was a complete disaster. Um, every every offensive line uh, yes. position was was a revolving door too often um even talking about it just frustrates me a little bit because you know we don't have to go there anyways um like i said you look at the national attention that the colts are getting from the top shows like first take from skip and shannon undisputed when they mention the top offensive lines in football it's no longer just the cowboys and the chiefs and all these other uh, offensive lines that you could probably name the steelers most of them have mentioned the Colts before they mention anybody else. And that that's big. That means that mm-hmm. tells you two things that tells you one that um, they're obviously living up to, I guess, expectations, if you will. And two, Chris Ballard, as you mentioned, Cody has done a phenomenal job with, with drafting uh, these players. And like you said, he's a man of his word. Um, I, I know we talked about this on a, uh, one of the, one of our more recent podcasts. He saw that the, Colts gave up, I think it was in 2017, 10 sacks to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that the offensive line just simply could not mm-hmm. hold up. And he said, no, not again. I'm going to go. I'm going to address it. He did that this year with the defensive line. He saw the lack of interior pressure that the Colts were getting. And I've said this before on the podcast. When you run a defensive scheme like a Tampa 2, the primary pressure has to come from the interior. And if it doesn't, that, that hurts your secondary and it's going to hurt you overall as a team. And that's exactly what we saw last season. And that was part of the Colts seven and nine finish. And that's one of the things that I love about Chris Ballard too. He's a man of his word. And when things need to be fixed and addressed, he's going to go do whatever he has to do to make sure that the things get addressed. You look at the draft capital and the investment that Chris Ballard has made, a conscious effort to invest in the offense and defensive line. You look at it. I mean, I know he didn't draft Anthony Costanzo or Ryan Kelly. Those guys are first-round picks uh, from different eras. It's kind of crazy. Different regimes drafted those guys in the first round. Uh, but he kept both of those guys. He's going to extend both of those guys. Drafted, obviously, Quentin Nelson at six and then went back in the second round of that same draft. He drafted Braden Smith in the second round. So basically all these guys outside of Mark Glowinski on the offensive line are first to second round picks. And on the defensive line, you look at it, DeForest Buckner, first round pick. Uh, Kamoko Turi, second round pick. Tyquan Lewis, second round pick. Ben Banigou, second round pick. Justin Houston. I mean, he wasn't, the Colts didn't pick him, but he was one of the higher, you know, well-known pass rushers on the market last year. So you just see the investment that Chris Ballard is willing to make. And it just, you know, he's a man of his word when he says, I believe that you you win from the trenches. That's where you start. 
it's one thing when you say that. It's another thing when you put your money where your mouth is and you invest in it. And we saw, Andrew, you talked about, I don't think putrid was a good enough word for that Colt offensive line for many years. Like you saw, what did what did Ryan Grigson do to invest in that offensive line? He was a former offensive lineman. I don't understand how he didn't understand that you protect your quarterback. I remember, Andrew, you know, when the Colts drafted Philip Dorsett years and years ago, I was obviously ticked because I was like, why do you draft Dorsett at that point when you just signed Andre Johnson, when you have Dante Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton? Why would you do that? That makes no sense to me. And I remember putting out a tweet. I said, you know, it's going to be hard for Andrew Luck to throw to his number four receiver that you drafted in the first round when he's getting sacked 50 times. And what happened? Andrew Luck got hurt and it didn't pan out. And the Colts went eight and eight. And I just, it's just such a different philosophy. And I just absolutely love that. I mean, Ryan Grixon did not invest in our offensive line until basically Jim Mercy said, you have to draft Ryan Kelly in the first round. And so I just love it, man. I just love what Chris Ballard has been doing. And that is the reason why I say the Colts have the best offensive line and defensive line in the AFC South. It comes from investment that Chris Ballard has made. It also comes from talent and production and potential that we see on this offensive and defensive line. So I think that'll do it for this podcast. This is a really good one, man. I loved it. You have to apologize if you hear a little creak early on in the episode. <laughs> My brother actually like walked in and like opened the door and it creaked a little bit. And so I was like freaking out and telling him like, get out. <laughs> so if you hear that, I apologize. So I'll try to edit it out. But if you hear that, uh, just ignore that. But yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for just your <laughs> unwavering support, honestly crazy to me i don't know andrew if you've looked at how much like traffic and how many subscribers we've been getting recently but like it was a little over a week ago i remember i was sitting there i was actually hanging out with my with my girlfriend and uh we we were looking and i was talking to her about just you know the youtube channel and stuff like that and saying yeah we're a few subscribers away i'm hoping to get to a thousand subscribers today and it's just so happened this was last friday uh, we got to 1,000 subscribers, and it was amazing. March 13th, uh, the day we got monetized, it was fantastic. Uh, thank you guys so much for that support. But it's crazy, man, because I'm looking now at uh, just <laughs> the last week. We have put out so much content. I know we, I have. I know Derek has. I know, obviously, you have come on and joined us a lot. Uh, but it's just been phenomenal. We've gained, man, from from that last Friday, from March 13th now to – to when we're recording on, on March 22nd, uh, we have gained over 100 subscribers here at 1,128, which is absolutely insane to me. Um, just so thankful to you guys for your unwavering support for us and your interaction. We, we love to let you guys make different ideas uh, with free agency happening and, and just your support of us. And we want to continue to provide content now. Obviously, a lot of people are quarantined in their homes, can't really do a whole lot. And so we want to try to provide as much Colts content as we can for you guys because I don't know about you Andrew but I'm a guy man when there's Colts content I will listen to it like I, I will purge just listening to Colts content I remember a couple of years ago I was sick for like an entire week and I just was I would even go back like weeks and weeks before and just listen to all these Colts podcasts and try to just keep entertained keep busy because it's such a boring time um, so for those people who are quarantined can't really go into work we will try to get out as much content as we can. Um, this podcast will come out on Monday, um, but you know, we're recording it here on Sunday night, but it'll come out here on Monday. So you guys will be listening to it on Monday, probably Monday morning, Monday afternoon. 
But, uh, but yeah, thanks guys so much. We really appreciate it as always. And as always, go Colts.